This is Sunday morning worship service here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church, February the 14th, Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day on this 2021. Today's service is Old Hero from our senior pastor, Reverend Jerry Barbie. The praise team will start off now with Little David. Not mine, said Little David, Lord, it's thine, I'm in your face. No one knew how long 
I was feeling And the emptiness I tried so hard to hide Though I might have said my life was fine without you I was covering up the secret tears I cried Then one day someone told me of your mercies And the love you showed on a hill called Calvary There you died and purchased my redemption when you broke sin's power and set my spirit free Yes, it's true, there've been days when I failed you. Lord, you know the many times I've gone astray. But I've learned your love is stronger than my weakness. And the end results every time I pray. ever care for me like you Lord other friends can never be as close to me I'm not afraid to face the problems of tomorrow knowing you are everything
loves you, don't you? You might be seated if he starts his act. Once again, it's so, so privileged to have you with us today, all you folks, by the way, of the internet. Uh, that, that's tuning in also. We thank you for being with us. And I uh, just hope the Lord blesses you abundantly. So God's good to see you guys this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. It's good to see everybody. <clears throat> if you got your Bibles, we're going to the book of Joshua. Joshua chapter number 14, verse 6 through 15. Joshua chapter 14, verse 6 through 15. This morning, we're going to talk about Caleb. Caleb, an old hero with a bold dream. Caleb, as we know, Caleb was one of the two spies that said God's able to see us through this thing, him and Joshua, the other ten, you know, didn't see what they needed to see. They were more in themselves than they were of God. Anyway, getting ahead of myself. <clears throat> so let me say this morning, chapter 14, verse 6, Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jepuna, the, Ken the Kenizzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee, in Kadesh Barna. Verse 7 says, 40 years old. Now listen to this. 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barna to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Caleb said, I wholly followed the Lord my God. Verse 9 says, And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children forever because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. Now notice what Moses is saying to Caleb. Caleb is telling Joshua, see Moses has passed on. Now Joshua is leading the children of Israel. Caleb is telling Joshua, Moses swear on that day saying, surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance. In other words, the land where Joshua, I mean, where Caleb had been in the promised land, where he went to spy out the land, that's what Moses promised him. And that's what Caleb is telling Joshua, that, the, that where my feet trodden shall be mine inheritance uh, if, and thy children's forever because I has wholly followed the Lord. Verse 10 says, and now, listen now, and now behold, the Lord have kept me alive. As he said, these 40 and five years, 45 years later, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 40 and five years, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. In other words, Caleb said, Joshua, this day, I am now 80 Five years old is what he's telling Joshua. 45 years ago, this was promised. Now I'm 85 years old. Verse 11 says, and yet, listen to what he's saying now. And yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. Now that's amazing. 85 years old. He was 40. Now he's 85. He says, Caleb, I want you to know that I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me and as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Caleb said, I'm as strong a day as I've ever been. <laughs> Glory. Verse 12 says, now therefore give me this mountain 
whereof the Lord spake in that day, for thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them at, out as the Lord said. Caleb said, Joshua, the same God that we told, to, told the children of Israel 45 years ago would see us through. We just go over and take the promised land. He said, if the Lord still be with me now and I know he's going to be, I'm going to be able to drive those people out because that's my inheritance. That's what I've been promised. Verse 13, and Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron, Hebron, for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the, the Kenosite, Unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Verse 15, and the name of Hebron before was Kajabar, <laughs> even Arbar was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. So somebody say, God bless the reading of his word. Caleb has, was promised an inheritance of the land 45 years ago and he held on to his dream. He had a bold dream, he held on to it. Dwight D. Eisenhower once said, every tomorrow has two handles. We can take hold of tomorrow with the handle of anxiety or with the handle of faith. Tomorrow's coming if we live. It's entirely up to us how we face tomorrow. We can face it with anxiety, we can face it with fear, or we can face it with faith. Amen. Today we're looking at the, the unusual story of Caleb. He was an old man who took hold of his tomorrows with the handle of faith. He was an old man with a bold dream. Years before the incident, we're reading about here in Joshua, the book of Numbers tells us, tells of the time when Israel first arrived at the borders of Canaan. God had led the people of Israel out of their slavery into the land of Egypt and crossed the Red Sea. They'd just been to the, to the mountain of God and had received the Ten Commandments. And now, just a few days later, they're at the edge of the Promised Land, a land God told them would be flowing with milk and honey, a land God promised to give them for their new home. Right at the edge of it. Moses then sends 12 spies into the land to, shout, to scout it out in preparation for conquering it. But 10, everybody say 10. But 10 of the spies are not happy with what they've seen. I mean, no, sometimes the majority of the crowd ain't the right answer. We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. He says the problem. That's the way they saw themselves. We seem as grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same unto them. In other words, what they're thinking of that they are, what they're believing that they are, they're thinking that everybody else is thinking the same thing. Can I tell you something this morning? A lot of the times when you're thinking somebody's thinking something about you, they ain't thinking nothing about you. Sometimes you're thinking somebody's thinking something about you and they think the very opposite about you. Some people say, well, they don't like me all that well. And all the time in their heart, they're praying for you, they love you to death. But for some reason, you see the opposite. So you see, you can't assume something because when you assume something, you'll get yourself in trouble. Can I get an amen? Mm. So, that comes out of Numbers 13, 31b through 33, and all this kind of tell you all that, but I, I didn't read all the scriptures. I'm not gonna read a lot of scriptures, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna just refer to it. Now there's an old adage, I like this right here. There's an old adage about people seeing a glass as half full or half empty, and apparently 10 of the spies saw the glass half empty. They saw only the dangers before them. No, I like something, I thought it was something else. But not Caleb and Joshua. They saw the beauty, the riches, and they saw milk and honey by the gallons. But above all else, 
They saw God. Can I tell you something? I don't care what you're facing this morning, whatever situation you're looking at, if you will just see God in the midst of it, you're going to be all right through it. But when you separate yourself from God, then you don't have a whole lot to go with because then you're all your own and you see the worst of the matter. But I'm going to tell you something. If you'll see the big God that you have and realize that the big God you have is just a small problem to him, he can take care of it this morning. Can I get an amen? God, uh, Caleb stood before the whole assembly and told them, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. Uh, if the Lord is pleased with us, uh, he will lead us into that land. A land flowing with milk and honey and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will shallow them up. We will swallow them up. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. If God be for you, who in the world can be against you? That's what Caleb and Joshua said. You ain't got to worry about anything. You see, God's on our side. He's with us and they don't have anything to go with because they don't have God. We have God. So don't be afraid of them. We we can do what God says we can do. Church, I may believe we still can do what God said we can do. In essence, Caleb was telling the people, yea, the Canaanites are strong, but God's stronger. Yes, the Canaanites are big, but God is bigger. We're going to chew them up and spit them out because they can't beat God. I mean, how can they possibly be the God who whipped the Pharaoh of Egypt? Egypt didn't stand a chance against our God and neither do these guys. God can still do the same thing. But the people wouldn't listen to him. They became afraid. They rebelled and they rejected the promise of God. And because of their fear and rebellion, God turned them away from the promised land and they were forced to wander in the wilderness for 40 long years. I mean, believe 40 years is a long time. I used to think it was. I tell folks now, if my next 20 years is as fast as my last 20 years, I'm in trouble. Because I've lived some fast 20 years the last 20 years. Grandma told me when I was a youngin, couldn't hardly wait till I got 16. Would never come, it would never come, it would never come. She said, son, you just hold on because you're gonna see today when it's gonna seem like you have two birthdays a year. I said, grandma, there ain't no way in the world. Well, we called her mammy. I said, mammy, ain't no way in the world that I'll have to seem like I have two birthdays a year. I'm at the age now, I think I have three a year. <laughs> I mean, that's how quick time seems to be going. How many know we're already in the middle of February of 2021? Yeah. New Year's Day was just a couple weeks ago, what it seems like. If you have a house payment like I do, it comes twice a month. <laughs> but in the desert, your babies will fall, is what God said. Every one of you, 20 years old or, or more, who was counted in the, in the census and who, was, who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I promised you except Caleb and Joshua. The whole generation of people did not make it in because they grumbled against God. You know, there's some folks grumbling against God today. Even church folks are grumbling against God. I'm talking about church around the world. People are grumbling against God. I got news for you. God is a God of love. He loves all of us. And it's, and it's not God's desire that any man should perish. But if God sometimes has to be a God of wrath, you can rest assured the wrath of God's going to fall. We just have to tell both sides of the story. But later on in Deuteronomy, God expanded on this promise to Caleb. Not a man of this evil generation shall see the good land I swore to give their fathers, except Caleb, son of Jepunah, and he will see it. And I will give him and his descendants the land he set his foot on because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. How many serving God wholeheartedly today? Amen. From that day on, Caleb had a dream. From that day on, for 45 years, Caleb had a dream. He knew that he had a special inheritance waiting for him. Special inheritance. He had a piece of property with his name on it and he knew that wasn't this wasn't going to be just any piece of land. This was a gift from God and so it had to be the best real estate in Canaan. How many know God gives you the best? Amen. For 45 years, Caleb replayed this promise over and over and over and over again in his mind. 
so that when the Israelites crossed Jordan River into the land of Canaan, he staked his claim on the prettiest land available, the hill country of Hebron. He has seen it with his own eyes. He knew how good it was and he wanted it. Now there were a couple problems with Caleb's dream. Number first, first of all, the land that he wanted just happened to have somebody living there. Does anybody know who was living in the hill country Caleb asked for? That's right. There were giants in the land. Giants in the land. And they lived in large fortified cities. Not everybody in the land of Canaan were giants, but these guys were. Now, there was a reason why these giants were the owners of the best real estate around. They were bigger than anybody else. Because nobody else could live there because this land belonged to the giants. It was their land, and they had no intention of sharing it. They were the kings of the hills in heaven. How many, when you were a child, played king on the mountain? Yeah, that's what these guys did. They were king on the mountain. They knew it. They were kings of the hills, and because they were giants, they always won the game of king of, king of, king of the hill. That was the first problem. The second problem for Caleb was he was 80 Five years old. Anybody here 85 years old? Anybody here close to it? I'm close to it. I'm 66. I got one sitting on the front pew here said he's 75. He's just a baby to Caleb. Amen? How many folks here are 80? Oh, I got a hand. Got another hand. Oh, good. Now, you guys got to get that Caleb spirit about you. Even you small youngers that are 75, you need to, get, need to get that Caleb spirit about you. Wait a minute, preacher. He was 85 years old. That, that's pretty old to be taking on giants. Listen to me. In our society, we're convinced ourselves that we become less useful as we grow older. Not with me. I don't believe that as we grow older, we become less useful because I believe that everybody in the church, uh, that God has got something from every, for everybody in the church, uh, from the newborn baby if, uh, up to you if you're 105 years old. It don't make no difference. God's got something for everybody, and I'm a pastor don't like to leave nobody out. Uh, I want to make sure everybody uh, is ministered to in some way, some fashion, some form. That's my desire. That's, my, that's what my heart's desire is, uh, that everybody will be ministered to. And while I'm there, I want us to remember Brother William Capps. I just put it in my spirit. Remember Brother William Capps and pray that God will continue to strengthen his body from, from this uh, COVID stuff he's been going through. I understand he's getting a little butter day by day. Amen. So in our society, we convince ourselves that we become less useful as we grow older. This is what I like right here. We make jokes about getting old. Jokes like, you know you're getting old when you sit in a rocking chair and you can't get it going. You know you're getting old when the gleam in your eyes is the one from the sun hitting your bifocals. You know you're getting old when you when you sink your teeth in a stake and they stay there. You know you're getting old. We joke about old age, but in the, in the back of our minds is the suspicion that when we get old, we lose value. Let me tell you something, folks. The older you get, the more value you have. Because if it weren't for you, the younger generation wouldn't be here today. One man told of a discussion he had with his youngest son. The boy asked him how old he was. The man replied, 39 holding. The boy thought for a moment and he asked, well, how old would you be if you let go? <laughs> There's a mindset that there comes a point in our lives when we let go. But Caleb refused to think that way and Caleb wasn't the only man that refused to let go. Old age, keep, old age, keep them down. No, no, they wouldn't let old age keep them down. Amen. Winston Churchill became prime minister of Britain at 65 years old. Thomas Edison was still busy in his laboratory at 84 years old. Aren't you glad Thomas Edison stayed busy? 
we wouldn't have these lights this morning. Big candles running around, burning. Yeah? And, and deacons would have to. You know, if we had things like that, there wouldn't be a, everybody. People wouldn't want to be a deacon because they'd be in charge of putting the lamps out and lighting them and trimming them off, doing all this kind of stuff. Amen. You'd be hard to get a deacon. We got eight deacons now. First time I've ever in my life had eight deacons. When I came to Pine Level, it was the first time in my life I ever had seven. I said, wow. We got seven deacons. That's okay. That's fine. That's good. I feel a tug coming. <laughs> Everybody's got quiet on me. We got eight deacons. What does that mean? I heard somebody think, so I read what you just thought. It don't mean nothing. <laughs> yes, it does. It means you got more leadership. You got more folks to do something in the church. So deacons, we're not going to sit around. We're going to get busy. Is that okay? Yeah. Is that all right? Somebody help me out. Yeah, hey, one of your church members should shout it right there and praise the Lord and you're sitting there and look at me. Come on. Amen. At 81, Benjamin Franklin worked with crawling delegates at the Constitutional Convention and helped bring about the ratification of the U.S. Constitution at 81 years old. At 75, a California named Ed Delano bicycled eight at 75 years old. At 75 years old, Ed Delano bicycled 3,100 miles in 33 and one half days at 75 years old. And I've seen people sitting there sit around and say, I can't do this and I can't do that and I can't do the other. At 96, and a 96-year-old resident of Michigan, <clears throat> George C. Selbach. We need him in our golf tournament we fixed to do, I think, in September. George C. Seth, I'm saying his name right, scored a 110-yard hole-in-one at Indian River, Michigan at 96 years old. And Caleb was telling his old friend Joshua, yes, I know I'm 85 years old, and yes, I know there are giants in the land, but I can whip them. I don't care how old they are. I don't care how big they are. And I don't care how old I am. I know God's with me. And I'm going to be able to take the land that God has promised me. Folks, if God's promised you something, don't sit around and wait on it. You go ahead and dream big and realize God is going to see you through the whole nine yards. Don't never give up. And why did he believe that? Because you yourself heard that the Ananites, Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified, but the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said in Joshua 14 and 12. Caleb was depending on God to be there to help him face his giants and we need to learn to think that way also. How many know we need to depend on God? One professor, Sister Jenny, I want you to put that on the screen for me. One professor wrote, this on the blackboard. I'm going to ask the question right quick. Don't you answer. What do you see right there? Say again. What? Hush. Say again. God is where? God is not here. God is nowhere. God is nowhere. Okay, Jenny, fix it for me. A lot of folks see God is nowhere. Can you put a hyphen in there, Sister Jenny? God is now here. First time I saw that was a few years ago. I was riding down the road, and when I ride down the road and I pass the church, I try to see the church sign to see if I can read, see what's, see what's going on or what kind of slogan they got on it or what, whatever's going on with it. And when, I, and, when I, and when I rode by, I went by kind of quick, and I saw that. It said, when I saw it, it said, God is nowhere. That's what I saw. It said, God is nowhere. Then it said, at the bottom of it, it said, read it again. And I went by so quick, I just saw God is nowhere. But then I kept saying, read it again. It said, read it again. I kept saying it in my mouth, read it again. And then all of a sudden it hit me. God is now here. Because when I first saw it, I thought about, now what church will put a, put a sign up that said God is nowhere? 
If they'd have left it like that, then a lot of people would have seen that because that's the first thing, the first thing I saw when I saw it. But when they put it at the bottom up, read it again. I said, now they want me to read this again for some reason. So it took me a couple minutes writing down. I got to thinking. I spelled it in my, in my head. I said, God is now here. How many believe God's now here? You put these letters on the screen and said, he asked the students to tell him what they saw. The majority of the students said they saw God is nowhere. But a few of the students saw God is now here. You see, it all depends on what you're looking for as to what you see today. Amen? When you're in the midst of conflict and struggles, it is hard to see God sometimes. But it's when you're faced, when we're faced with the giants of doubt and despair that we need to focus on God's presence and his power and his promises because God will never let you down this morning. David wrote. David once wrote Psalms 37 and 4. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. I forgot to give that to her. Delight thyself in the, also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Notice the key, key, key to the promise. Delight. Delight ourselves in the Lord. And then, ain't you know what the Bible said? Delight thyselves in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of our heart. So delight ourselves in the Lord, then, so to speak, he will supply the desires of your heart. And this truth about God should influence the way we pray today. Amen. Had, it, had we been able to hear him, hear Caleb's, uh, uh, hear, him, uh, hear, hear him, Caleb's prayer would probably have gone a little like this right here. Caleb would have said, God, I know what you've done in the past. I've, now, Lord, notice what Caleb has seen and experienced from God, what he's literally seen and felt from with his own self. He said, God, I know what you've done in the past. I watched you as you brought the plagues down upon Egypt. And I watched as you parted the, the Red Sea to let us cross over the other side. And I watched as you buried the might of the Egyptians' army in the same sea. I was there as you came down from Mount Sinai in your power and might. And I have seen your faithfulness and kindness as our nation wandered in the desert for 40 years. This is all things that, that Joshua saw. This is what he'd be praying. I praised you. I praise you for you, for your love and mercy and faithfulness. And right now, I come to you, ask for the something, ask you for something you've already promised. I come to you because I know you love me. And because I know you can do whatever you want to do. And I'll just wait patiently here until the time is right for this prayer to be fulfilled because God my faith's in you. I'm waiting on you God to do what you said you're going to do. Caleb so delighted in the Lord he believed as God could and would supply what was promised He and he believed it so strongly he was willing to wait. Caleb waited 45 long years to receive the answer to his prayer but he was willing to do that because he trusted his God. He waited on his God. But he waited expectantly. You see, that's the difference. He didn't just wait. He waited expectantly. This was an on the edge of his seat kind of faith. This is the same kind of faith we need to have as Christians. An expectant faith. And on the edge of our seats kind of faith. This is the kind of faith we need to do. Amen. Over a century ago. Back when the telegraph was the fastest method of getting a message out over a long distance, a young man applied for a job as a Morse code operator. Can you imagine this day and time now if we had the telegraph? Can you imagine how long it took to get a message to somebody? Because the telegraph lines, what I understand, would go so far and they get it there and then somebody jump on a horse and take off and ride and get that message to somebody. Somebody would meet them part away with other horses so they could continue on. That's how people got to know what was going on around them. Can you imagine our young people today? Some of them be applying for the job because that's the way you're on the phone. But a young man applied for the job as a Morse code operator. He read the ad in the newspaper and he went to the office address that was listed. 
When he arrived, he entered a large, busy office filled with noise and chatter, including the sound of the telegraph in the background. He signed on reception's counter and instructed Java applicants to fill out a form and wait until they were summoned to enter the inter-office. The young man filled out his form, sat down with seven other applicants in the waiting area. After a few minutes, the young man stood up, crossed the room to the door of the inner office and walked right in. Naturally, the other applicants perked up, wondering what was going on. We've been here a long time. That's what they're saying. They muttered among themselves that they hadn't heard any summons to, yet to come into the office. They assumed that the young man who went into the office made a mistake and would be disqualified. Within a few minutes, however, the employer escorted him out of the office and said to the other applicants, gentlemen, thank you very much for coming, but the job has just been filled. The other applicants began to grumble and complain and backbite to each other. And one spoke up to the employer saying, wait a minute. I don't understand. He was the last to come in. And we never even got a chance to be interviewed. Yet he got the job. And we didn't. That's absolutely not fair. <laughs> the employer said, I'm sorry, but the last several minutes while you, were, were, while you have been sitting here, the telegraph has been ticking out the following message in Morse code. If you understand this message, come right in. The job is yours. Huh? None of you heard it or understood it. This young man did. The job is his. That's the kind of expected that God wants from us. It's a kind of faith that is always alert to God's faithfulness in our needs. It's a faith that is listening for God to step in and overcome our giants. Brother David, you guys come on. A faith that is ready and willing to lay claim to God's promises when the occasion arises. Amen. I'm talking about a man, an old hero that had a bold dream, Caleb. It was an old hero with a bold dream. How many of you got dreams this morning? Amen. What's your goals? What's your dream for your future, for your grandchildren, great-grandchildren if the Lord tarries and the generations thereon? If God tarries, I don't see God doing that, but you know, because I believe God's coming very, very soon or Jesus coming very, very soon to take the bride out of here. I believe that because this world's getting in a mess. But you see, Caleb won't only looking for, for Caleb. He won't only looking out for Caleb. Caleb was looking out for his children and his children's children and his children's children's children. Caleb was looking out for all the generations to come behind him. And he knew that he had, been, he had been given a promise. He knew God had promised him. Moses told him that for the land that where your feet have been, it's going to be yours. It's yours. It's, yours for, it's in your inheritance. And, and, and it's going to be yours forever and ever is what, what Moses was telling him. So let me tell you something this morning. What God has promised you and I. You see, the feet have trodden shall be thine in Harris and thy children's forever is what the scripture says because I ask holy father of the Lord. Caleb wasn't just looking at him. He was looking at the generation behind him. How many know you're going to leave a legacy behind you some, when, you, when you go away from here? It's either going to be a good legacy or a bad legacy. Amen? Yesterday in Brother Paul Mitchell's funeral, Pastor Chris got up and he was talking about the legacy of Paul Mitchell and how that, and Brother Roger brought out the point that how that Brother Paul was a man of integrity. Brother Paul was a man that loved the Lord. Brother Paul left a legacy for his children's children's children to follow. Amen? So this morning, and I don't want to embarrass him, but this morning, I'm so thankful this morning that we have Two of Brother Paul's grandchildren here. 
we have Travis, we have Tyler, and we have, help me out, Hannah, that's right. We have Hannah, and we have Madison, which is hoping to be. part of Paul Mitchell's legacy. And the way things are going, she may be. I don't know, and I'm just saying. But you see, these guys have picked up what grandma and grandpa left off, and they're going to carry it on because it's been instilled in them. You see, Paul Mitchell didn't only look out for himself and his wife. He looked out for his children and his children's children. Amen? So that's what you and I do. Where we, where, we, where we believe it or not, where we think of it or not, we leave a legacy to our children and our children's children. Now, it's entirely up to our children what they do with the legacy that we leave behind. They can either take, pick it up and go on with it, or they can just depart from it and do whatever they want to do. But I know as well as you know that children that we have raised, we raised the best we could, and when we look back, I say, well, there's, there's some things I wished I had done different than what I did do. There's some things I wished I did do, did, did do that I didn't do, and there are things I wish I was able to do that I, want, that I weren't able to do, but it is what it is when you do the best you can with what you have to work with, so, so, and your children sometimes, they want to come up, they want to blame you for this and that and the other and all this kind of stuff. We didn't have this, we didn't have that, but what they got to realize is they never went hungry. Amen? Never went hungry. Even though they weren't able to do. My kids weren't able to do a lot of the things that other, other people's kids were, were doing. They, they asked me why. Daddy, why can't we do this? Because we come up in time in the wholeness when you didn't do anything. You didn't do nothing. <clears throat> I don't know if any of you come up like that, but we, we were in the movement that you didn't do anything. You didn't go nowhere. You didn't go to no ball games. You didn't. It, it was so bad. I had a guy when I was pastoring church. His mama, his mama used to be a minister, and she preached. Uh, and she pastored a few years. Uh, he said, "He said, let me tell you how it was with us." He said, "It was so bad with us. Uh, we we passed the park, uh, and there would be people over there playing ball, uh, and we weren't even allowed to even turn and look at the ball. We had to keep our eyes straight ahead." That's where a lot of legalism came in. A lot of things came in. You didn't wear jewelry. You didn't wear makeup. You didn't cut your hair. Some of you women's in trouble. Sister Pam, you're blessed. Amen. But chief, some of these women be in trouble. Some of them's hair is on both shoulders, mine yours. But they picked up said, your hair is your glory. <laughs> no. Your glory is to God. Amen. It's not what I look like on the outside. It's what I got on the inside. Amen. Amen. You didn't wear no jewelry. I wear a ring. I got the chain around my neck. Some people see that. They say, what is that? I said, it's just a chain that somebody gave me in 1995. A dear friend of mine passed away, and I wear the chain because I'm just thankful he gave it to me. I don't see nothing wrong with it. Let me see your hand. Oh, my word, Father, forgive him. He's got a ring on his finger. In Jesus' name. Who he said here before he said, sinner. I mean, that's what that's, that's how it was, sinner. And I'm watching a belt that sparkles like you wouldn't believe. But see, that's where people draw their attention to. And that if it weren't for short dresses and long dresses and makeup and jewelry and all this junk, a lot of preachers won't have nothing to preach even today. It's not about what I have, it's about who I have. And if I got him, he's cleaned up all this in here. If he's cleaned up all this in here, he'll clean all this out here out. Amen. He'll clean this up for me. And that's what he's done. You see, I have a dream for my people, for my children, and my children's children. I do. And I'm praying God's going to let me live long enough to do better than I did when I was coming up raising children. That I'd be able to do better than that. Because I want to leave something for my children's children. I want to leave a legacy behind. But more than anything I want to leave is this morning is to leave the absolute presence of God in their life. That's my desire, is to surround them with Jesus. And when they get older, they're going to realize who God is and how God brought us through, and they'll be able to look back and see how mom and daddy did the best they could do with what they had to work with.
Amen. I'm fixed to quit. My mom and my daddy separated when I was about five, six years old. My mama left and went to Washington, D.C. For, for several years. She got married and met a guy. They went from Washington, D.C. to New York. I'd see my mama two or three times a year, <coughs> if that much sometimes. My daddy, I remember seeing him three times. The third time he was in the casket. He was 38 years old. So he really didn't leave nothing to me, nothing. And I hear testimonies of people how that they've been raised up in families where God was the center of everything they did. God helped them and God led them. And they had that father figure that, that followed the Lord. And they, they had that father figure to go by to know how really to serve God. Because that's what it's about sometimes. Well, no, no, Pastor, you can't compare your father, earthly father with your heavenly father. I mean, that's not what I'm doing. I'm just saying the example that, he, that earthly fathers leave their children, if they do it in the right way, they'll be able to know if I can love my he, earthly father like this, how much more can I love my heavenly father? But you see, I didn't never have that. I had grandma and granddad. They did the best they could do. But it's not the same as not having, my, as having mom and daddy. But all those years, you're looking at a man that loved his mama as much as you've loved your mama. And she with you every day. My mama, I never, I, never, I never looked at her as, well, look what you've done to me. No. When I look at my mama, I say, mama, you've done the best you could do with what you had to work with. And I was grown. I was grown before my mama came basically into my life to where I could be with her as much as I wanted to day after day or week after week. It took that long. But I never blamed mama. You see, there's a lot of folks sitting around blaming people for this and that because of them, because of that. My grandma slapped me one time. That's why I'm in the shape I'm in today. <laughs> if I go by that theory, I wouldn't be here this morning because <laughs> I come up with folks that believe in a pattern. And I don't mean a little wooden paddle. Whatever they tripped on, they pick it up, and that's what they whip you with. I got whooped with biker sticks. I got whooped with plump, plump, plumbing pipes. <clears throat> but they knew how to do it. They knew where to do it at. But when they got through, I didn't do that no more. Nowadays, we've got all these alphabets, and we're giving children excuses because the ADHD and the ABCD and the EFGHI, all that kind of stuff. I don't know what it is. And they probably had the same thing when my kids were coming up, but the only alphabet I had for my kids was the same alphabet I had. It was called B-E-L-T, and that took care of everything that was going on in my life. <laughs> you see, back then, parents were parents. Today, parents are trying to be best friends to their children, and that don't work. You have to be that parent to that child. Well, they're going to get mad with me, so what? How many people got mad with Jesus? You ever been mad with Jesus? Oh, no, preacher, not mad. Don't be so righteous and all that stuff. You ever been mad with the Lord? I've been mad with the Lord. I have. God knows every emotion you have, so you might as well just share it with him. I've been mad with God sometimes. I talk to him, God, what the world? What, what, what's, this, what, what's going on here? What's the deal here? And he sets me straight on a lot of times, and he lets me know what the deal is. You know what? But God wants me to be honest with him as much as I am honest with you. Amen. But Caleb was only looking after Caleb. He was looking after his whole entire family, generations on down. And if it was possible, and it might be, if it was possible to follow a family tree all the way back to, to Caleb, there might be, still be some of Caleb's family on that land. Because the Bible says forever, for generations forever. Amen? So uh, an, an old hero with a bold dream. I got a bold dream. And God knows my dream. I'm holding on to it. I've been, I've been wrestling with what God put in my heart and put in my spirit since about 18, not 18, 1989, 1990. I found a letter where I wrote a man. And I wrote him a seven page, nine page letter, front and back. And I said, I need to meet with you because God's put something in my spirit that you've already done. And I need some help with what God's dealing with me. But you know what? Didn't have time for me. That's one time I sort of got a little angry with God. I said, God, you got all this up in me now. And then I've got some people that could help me, but they basically turned their back on me. I said, what am I going to do? Like Caleb, I've kept this dream. 
kept this vision. And it's been 42 years. F 42 years of ministry. I came in ministry in 78. So actually it's been probably 30, 37, 30 years. So that I'm still holding on to what God put in my spirit. And I tell God every once in a while, Lord, I'm getting kind of old now. If we're going to have to do something, if we're going to do something, we're going to have to do it quick. I'm getting older. And God let me know, age don't make no difference. If you don't believe it, son, go back and look at the word. Caleb, 85 years old. Moses, 120. Caleb, 85, had the same strength he had at 85 as he did 40. That's amazing. I bet he could touch his toes. I ain't going to let you see where I touch my toes or not. I'm going to just let you guess. But I can tell you now, take a while to get there. I touch my toes like this. <laughs> Amen. But we can't allow age to hinder what God wants us to do. <clears throat> because God has not lost one iota of strength that he's ever had. God ain't no stronger than he was. God is as strong today as he was when he said, when he created the whole world. When he said, let there be light. God is the same God. He's consistent. God ain't lost nothing. You see, we're the ones that's lost something. And God wants us to come back to that intimacy with him and draw close to him because he said, if you draw nigh to me, I'll draw nigh to you. Let's everyone stand this morning. If you have a bold dream, don't sit on it. Begin to talk about it. God told me, he said, son, your problem that you have is you've kept all this to yourself all these years. You need to let it be known. I said, Lord, how do you let it be known? He said, just tell it. I said, the first time I told it, I was laughed at by ministers. I was laughed at. Didn't believe it. That was the first time. I was sitting in a circle of ministers in a meeting with a bishop. And he said, what's your dream? And what's your vision for your church? And Brother Frank, I shared it with him. And when I did, they basically laughed at me. And they started talking about different things that God hadn't done me that way. And I this and that and other. I shared it with some people, never hear back from them. I shared it with the general bishop. I shared it with the state bishop. I shared it with many, many pastors. Many. Stan Toller passed away a couple of years ago. I shared it with him. I was in a meeting with him and I shared it with him. And he, 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 he emailed me back or texted me back. And he responded that it's very strong, it's very powerful. Just keep looking to God. There's only been a handful of people that's responded to what I shared with this church in our, in our interview meeting about the vision I had for the church and what God's wanting to do. Amen. And it's, in, it's, in, it's on the website. I give everybody a copy of it a couple of times so you know what it is. And I'm still holding on to that. I'm not backing off one iota. I throwed it down three or four times. I promised God the last time I picked that he came to me. I said, Lord, I won't throw this down no more. When I leave this world, it's either going to be accomplished or I'm going to be fighting to accomplish. Because the devil will interfere in everything you want to do for the glory of God. But I refuse to let the devil hinder what God wants to do. Okay? So, Pastor, why are you here? Because I honestly believe, and I've told every church I've been to, I've been thrown out of a couple of churches because of it. I tell every church I've been to. But right now, in this season of this ministry, of reading and studying it, seeing how God took sometimes years to do something, I believe right now we're in the season that God's getting ready to really do some great things and some wonderful things. Not because of me, because it's not about me, it's all about God. Not because this church is all about God. God has provided us a way that we can reach around the world, any part of the world that's got internet today. They can see them singing. They can hear me preaching. They can see the Wednesday night Bible study. They can see you sometimes. All around the world, God's given that to us to use for his glory. So, folks, it's not about us. It's about those souls that's out there that we're reaching for the glory of God. 
One more time, Joy told us the other night, our radio, st our radio studio here in Pine Level, Pentecostal Holiness Church, upstairs we have a radio studio that's going all over the world. Joy, how many countries are, are we in with that radio station? Last check, there was about 65 different, there may be more than that now. 65 different countries that's listening. <laughs> Can you imagine? Pine Level, Pentecostal Holiness Church Radio. Now, I don't know about you, but that tells me something about God. For years and years and years and years, the only people that we've been able to reach with the ministry is what we, what we were looking at every day, every day, every day. And sometimes they get a CD or, or a tape and take it with them. Somebody would get it and take it to the rest homes. They would get it that way. But now, in, did you just say 60, 65 different countries? Yeah, last check, 65. It's hitting our radio station. How long they listen to it, I don't know. But they'll hit it. They'll listen to music. They'll listen. Right now, this morning, is our service live on radio this morning? Yes, it's live on everything we've what, got to go live on. What we do in the church is live on a radio station. 65 different countries right now already have hit it. And I don't know how many has downloaded the app to get it. Ain't God good today? So we got the capabilities, God's give us the capabilities to reach people around the world. That's one reason why we want to upgrade and give them the best that we got because we want them to do the very best for God. Is that okay? So help me pray that God's going to help us and use us for his glory. I want you to pray that God's going to give your pastor more discernment than he's ever had. Because as time goes on and people's going to get hungry, they're going to want more of God because this world, the United States, is getting in a mess and people are going to be looking for God. And this is the church I want them to be looking for. I want them to hear of the great things that God is doing in Pine Level, North Carolina. And, uh, and God himself will draw them. God himself will draw them. But you and I need to get out and tell the folks the greatness of God and what God's doing in our lives. And talk about how great things God's doing in your church. Don't be talking about the bad things. If you got anything bad to say about the church, keep it to yourself and pray about it. And God will fix it for you. Okay? But I believe in all my heart this morning that God's got some great things and people beginning to pull together. And the spirit of unity is beginning to flow through this place. And we're going to begin to experience God like we never have. Is that all right? Brother David, let's worship the Lord. While they're singing, if you have a need, I want you to come to the altar. watching the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church, a church you can call home with people you can call family. 
Pine Level Pentecostal Adventist Church is located on 112 East Blanche Street. We welcome you to come and join us in worship every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., every Sunday night at 6 p.m., and every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Don't forget, if you can't join us in person, you can always join us via the internet through the website at pinelevelphc.org. You can watch our services, check out upcoming events, and lots more there at the website. You can also check out our app through Google Play or iOS App Store. Download the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church app. It's free to use, free to download. You can watch our services live or on demand. Check out other things about the church, even donate to the church through the link. If you have a Facebook account, go to facebook.com forward slash Pine Level PHC. Get notifications when we go live. Check out pictures and other upcoming events about our church. Just like our Facebook page. That's all you have to do. Also, YouTube is available for the YouTube subscribers. Search YouTube for Pine Level PH Church. Subscribe to our channel. Get notifications when we go live. You watch our services live or on demand. Don't forget, if you can't watch us, maybe you want to listen. Search for our podcast through your favorite podcast provider and listen to the services anywhere in the world. Don't forget about our new radio station. Go to our website or app for the quick link. And you can also just simply type in pinelevelphc.org forward slash radio. Radio stations playing good gospel music 24-7. Also, lots other programming is available for your enjoyment. So if you want to check that out, do so anytime and listen with friends around the world. For everyone here at the Pine Level Pentecost Witness Church, I'm Joey Perry. We hope to see you soon here at the Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church.